Section 13 of Final Report of the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments. Ethics of Human Subjects Research A Historical Perspective. Chapter 1, Part 3 the department of defense consent is formalized the story of research involving human subjects in the u s military began at least a century ago well before nineteen forty four the beginning of the period of special interest to the advisory committee the military needed healthy subjects to test means to prevent and treat infectious diseases to which military personnel might be exposed the notion that consent should be obtained from human subjects was clearly part of this tradition less clear is how consistently this was applied and what consent actually meant to those in authority the most famous example of the early use of subject consent in the military took place at the turn of the century walter reed's successful research on yellow fever the mosquito-borne disease that bedeviled panama canal construction efforts employed healthy subjects who signed forms indicating their agreement whether the practice was required by the army or self-imposed by reed is unknown in nineteen twenty five an army regulation to promote infectious disease research noted that volunteers should be used in experimental research the navy also provided early requirements for human subject research in 1932, the Secretary of the Navy granted permission for the conduct of an experiment involving divers, on condition that the subjects were informed volunteers. In 1943, the Secretary of the Navy also required that all investigators seeking to conduct research with service personnel obtain prior approval from the Secretary. As we have noted in the introduction, during World War II, federally funded biomedical research related to the war effort, outside the Manhattan Project, was coordinated by the Committee on Medical Research, CMR, of the Office of Scientific Research and Development, which was part of the Executive Office of the President. The CMR supported a program of human research, during which the question of the rules for the conduct of human research was addressed in nineteen forty two a university of rochester researcher seeking to work out a human experiment on the chemical prophylaxis of gonorrhea asked the cmr for an opinion that such human experimentation is desirable in an october ninth nineteen forty two response the cmr's chairman offered the following general statement which was endorsed by the full committee human experimentation is not only desirable but necessary in the study of many of the problems of war medicine which confront us when any risks are involved volunteers only should be utilized as subjects and these only after the risks have been fully explained and after signed statements have been obtained which shall prove that the volunteer offered his services with full knowledge and that claims for damage will be waived an accurate record should be kept of the terms in which the risks involved were described in spite of the cmr's statement in response to this researcher's query 
it supported other experiments that involved subjects whose capacity to give valid consent to participation was doubtful including institutionalized people with cognitive disabilities during the war the navy used consent forms in wartime experiments using prisoners and conscientious objectors as a proposal for research on an influenza vaccine with prisoners at san quentin in nineteen forty three shows the form used in this case indicates that the subject is acting freely and voluntarily without any coercion on the part of any person whomever to be sure the forms located by the advisory committee were called waiver or release rather than consent forms thus the attestation to voluntary participation was punctuated by the release of experimenters from liability however at a time when free young men were routinely conscripted into the military the requirements that subjects including prisoners and conscientious objectors must be volunteers seems remarkable in sharp contrast with these procedures the navy too sometimes functioned in a manner inconsistent with a voluntary consent policy for healthy subjects surviving subjects have reported that harmful mustard gas experiments on naval personnel at the naval research laboratory in washington d c during world war ii failed to adequately inform subjects and seemed to have involved manipulation or coercion of volunteers the lack of medical follow-up on the subjects of these experiments was sharply criticized in a nineteen ninety three report by the institute of medicine of the national academy of sciences the NEPA Debate on the Ethics of Prisoner Experiments Many of the researchers and officials who had been involved in Manhattan Project human experiments during the war, and then in the 1947 AEC deliberations about human research policy, were also engaged, in 1949 and 1950, in discussions of the ground rules for research with human subjects in the development of new military technology this time the forum was the joint aec dod project on nuclear energy for the propulsion of aircraft nepa the dod convened an advisory panel of private and public officials to determine how to obtain data needed to answer questions such as whether the air crew would be put at undue risk by the nuclear-powered engine the participants in the discussion included university researchers Heimer Friedel, Stafford Warren, Robert Stone, and Joseph Hamilton, and AEC officials Shields Warren and Alan Gregg. Shields Warren argued that human experimentation was not appropriate because the research could be done on animals and human data was not likely to produce scientifically valid results. See introduction. Robert Stone the recipient of the november nineteen forty seven letter in which aec general manager wilson called for informed consent emerged as the primary proponent of human experiments in a january nineteen fifty discussion paper he focused on the ethics of human experimentation after a recitation of a tradition that included Walter Reed's experience and the historical use of prisoners and medical students as research subjects, Stone cited requirements that had been publicized by the American Medical Association in 1946. These rules provided that subjects must give voluntary consent, 
that animal experimentation must precede human experimentation and that human experiments should be performed under proper medical protection and management see chapter two stone argued that it would be possible to conduct nepa related experiments with prisoners in compliance with all three of these requirements stone's proposal generated considerable discussion among dod and aec experts and officials in april nineteen fifty the dod's joint panel on the medical aspects of atomic warfare endorsed the use of prisoners of true volunteer status as meeting the requirements of accepted american standards for the use of human subjects for research purposes however aec officials were less than enthusiastic doesn't the prisoner proposal acbm chairman alan gregg asked a military official in the course of one discussion fall in the category of cruel and unusual punishment not the official replied if they carry out the work as they proposed it would be on an absolutely voluntary basis and under every safety precaution that could be built up around it it didn't strike me as being cruel and unusual to which shields warren retorted it's not very long since we got through trying germans for doing exactly the same thing in december nineteen fifty the aec convened a panel to discuss what was known about potential radiation effects on service personnel and whether human research was needed joseph hamilton robert stone's colleague at the university of california was unable to attend the meeting and in his regrets he offered his thoughts on the matter in a letter to shields warren he noted that the proposal to use prisoner volunteers would have a little of the buchenwald touch and reported that he had no very constructive ideas as to where one would turn for such volunteers should this plan be put into effect he suggested using large primates even though from a purely scientific viewpoint the data collected would not be as useful as data from humans apparently stone lost the debate a decision was made not to conduct experiments with prisoners or other healthy subjects in connection with the nepa project however as will be discussed in more detail in chapter eight the military contracted with a private hospital to study patients who were being irradiated for cancer treatment in the hopes of answering the same kinds of questions that would have been addressed if nepa research with prisoners had gone forward Congress provides for DOD contractor indemnification in the case of injury. In the aftermath of World War II, the military continued its long-standing program of infectious disease research using human subjects. During the late 1940s and early 1950s, the Army Epidemiological Board, AEB, and its 1949 successor, the Armed Forces Epidemiological Board, AFEB, which was established to advise on medical research funded by the DOD and to direct some research undertaken with Army funds, sponsored studies with healthy subjects that focused on hepatitis, dengue fever, and other infectious diseases. Consistent with military tradition, at least some AEB-sponsored researchers were using written permission forms. The forms, frequently referred to as an agreement with volunteer, or a release outlined the study and the risks to the subject and protected the dod from liability 
in the late nineteen forties some university researchers expressed concern that they were not adequately protected from liability in the case of injury or death of their prisoner subjects the ensuing dialogue provides a window on the role of the written releases and the understanding of the rules governing human subject research in response to a researcher's request to be reimbursed by the army for a disability policy for the subjects the army lawyers replied that the army could not provide indemnification in the absence of clear congressional authority army legal advisers recommended that the researcher protect himself the state of new jersey the research locale and the government by means of the usual waiver in a february nineteen forty eight letter the a e b director john r paul explained that the world situation had placed the rules for human experimentation up for grabs at this stage in the world situation one should proceed cautiously until standards are set by whatever body is in authority i am not sure just what the rules are but i understand that some type of vigilance committee has laid down certain principles about volunteers in order to protect this country from the criticisms brought up in germany during the nuremberg trials during the war we more or less made our own policies on this but i am not sure that this is possible today the allusion to a vigilance committee is unclear it may be a reference to a committee established by the governor of illinois to examine the use of prisoners as research subjects in that state and chaired by andrew ivy the principal expert witness for the prosecution at the nuremberg medical trial see chapter two given the date of the letter february eighteenth nineteen forty eight it seems likely that paul had just skimmed through his new copy of the journal of the american medical association the report of ivy's committee was published in the february fourteenth nineteen forty eight issue in april nineteen forty eight an a e b official made it plain to the researchers that the fact that state authorities or the prison warden gave permission for the experiment should be of little comfort to them in case of a lawsuit responsibility would devolve entirely upon the individual experimenter only congress could provide a solution but it would be a dangerous course to raise the matter publicly i have the a e b official wrote given considerable thought to the matter of whether it would be advisable to approach individuals or groups in congress with the idea of having laws passed related to payment of compensation for disability or release of the experimenter from liability i am afraid that this would be a dangerous course and that it might in fact injure clinical investigations generally there is a very real possibility that unfavorable publicity would quickly result it appears that the relief sought by researchers was provided by congress in nineteen fifty two however under the umbrella of a law that provided indemnification for d o d research and development activities as a whole in october nineteen fifty two following the death of a prisoner subject in an afeb sponsored hepatitis study and questions raised by the army chemical corps about release forms for human guinea pigs the afeb administrator queried the dod legal office about a recently passed federal law the law provided authority for the military to indemnify contractors for risks undertaken in research and development situations 
did the new law afford relief to the immediate dependence of prison volunteers when as a result of these experiments they should die the answer was yes but only by providing relief to the researchers first from the wording of the law and from the legislative history the legal office replied it is a direct indemnification to the contractor and not to the individual human guinea-pig thus what appears to have been the first cold war congressional enactment to deal with human subjects of research addressed the government's obligation to its contractors not the government's and its researchers obligations to the subjects moreover the record indicates that a more direct approach was not sought by the dod because of concerns about public relations at the same time congress was acting however the dod itself was secretly debating a new policy for human experiments the secretary of defense issues the nuremberg code in top secret as the korean war began in mid nineteen fifty the military's interest in human experimentation in connection with chemical and biological as well as atomic and radiation warfare intensified the need for a dod wide policy on the use of human subjects in research was noted by colonel george underwood the director of the office of the secretary of defense in a february nineteen fifty three memorandum to the incoming administration of dwight d eisenhower there is no dod policy on the books which permits this type of research human experiments in the field of atomic biological and chemical warfare from nineteen fifty to nineteen fifty three discussions about human research and human research policy were held in several high-level dod panels including the armed forces medical policy council afmpc the committee on medical sciences cms and the joint panel on the medical aspects of atomic warfare these groups were headed by civilian researchers and in at least the latter two cases included representatives of the aec cia nih va and public health service at its september eighth nineteen fifty two meeting the afmpc heard a presentation from the chief of preventative medicine of the army surgeon general's office on the topic of biological warfare research it was pointed out that the research had reached a point beyond which essential data could not be obtained unless human volunteers were utilized for such experimentation following detailed discussion it was unanimously agreed that the use of human volunteers in this type of research be approved at its october thirteenth nineteen fifty two meeting the afmpc again took up the question of human experimentation it was resolved the chairman wrote to the secretary of defense that the ten rules promulgated at the nuremberg trials be adopted as the guiding principles to be followed an eleventh rule barring experiments with prisoners of war was added by the legal adviser to the council mr stephen s jackson dod attorney jackson evidently was responsible for the inclusion of the nuremberg code in the afmpc's proposed policy in an october thirteenth nineteen fifty two memo to the chairman of the afmpc jackson recommended that the attached principles and conditions for human experimentation which were laid down by the tribunal in the nuremberg trials be adopted instead of those previously submitted by me 
as an addendum to the nuremberg code jackson proposed a requirement that consent be expressed in writing before at least one witness this recommendation followed from the suggestion of anna rosenberg assistant secretary of defense for manpower and personnel who was an expert on labor relations a letter written by the administrator of the armed forces epidemiological board documents mr jackson's role and motivation it was on mr jackson's insistence that the nuremberg principles were used in toto in the document since he stated these already had international judicial sanction and to modify them would open us to severe criticism along the line see they use only that which suits them thus the dod's council cited the nineteen forty seven nuremberg military tribunal ruling as establishing an international legal precedent to which american researchers should be held it appears that in succeeding months the afmpc proposal was received unenthusiastically by other dod committees that reviewed it in a november twelfth nineteen fifty two memorandum the executive director of the committee on medical sciences pointed out that human experimentation has been carried on for many years he contended that to issue a policy statement on human experimentation at this time would probably do the cause more harm than good for such a statement would have to be watered down to suit the capabilities of the average investigator human experimentation the cms executive director asserted has in years past and is at present governed by an unwritten code of ethics which is administered informally by fellow workers in the field and is considered to be satisfactory to commit to writing a policy on human experimentation would focus unnecessary attention on the legal aspects of the subject notwithstanding the reservations of the cms and others the nuremberg code proposal had the support of president truman's secretary of defense robert a lovett however the secretary's aide george v underwood wrote in january nineteen fifty three since the consequences of this policy will fall upon mr wilson president eisenhower's nominee for secretary of defense charles wilson it might be wise to pass to him as a unanimous recommendation from the alumni in a january thirteenth nineteen fifty three memorandum for the new secretary the afmpc strongly recommended that a policy be established for the use of human volunteers military and civilian employees in experimental research at armed forces facilities the policy would render the research subject to the principles and conditions laid down as a result of the nuremberg trials the nuremberg code one the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential this means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force fraud deceit duress overreaching or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision the latter element requires that before the acceptance of an affirmative decision by the experimental subject there should be made known to him the nature duration and purpose of the experiment the method and means by which it is to be conducted all inconveniences and hazards reasonably to be expected 
and the effects upon his health or person which may possibly come from his participation in the experiment the duty and responsibility for ascertaining the quality of the consent rest upon each individual who initiates directs or engages in the experiment it is a personal duty and responsibility which may not be delegated to another with impunity two the experiment should be such as to yield fruitful results for the good of society unprocurable by other methods or means of study and not random or unnecessary in nature three the experiment should be so designed and based on the results of animal experimentation and a knowledge of the natural history of the disease or other problem under study that the anticipated results will justify the performance of the experiment four the experiment should be so conducted as to avoid all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury five no experiment should be conducted where there is an a priori reason to believe that death or disabling injury will occur except perhaps in those experiments where the experimental physicians also serve as subjects six the degree of risk to be taken should never exceed that determined by the humanitarian importance of the problem to be solved by the experiment seven proper preparation should be made and adequate facilities provided to protect the experimental subject against even remote possibilities of injury disability or death eight the experiment should be conducted only by scientifically qualified persons the highest degree of skill and care should be required through all stages of the experiment of those who conduct or engage in the experiment nine during the course of the experiment the human subject should be at liberty to bring the experiment to an end if he has reached the physical or mental state where continuation of the experiment seems to him to be impossible ten during the course of the experiment the scientist in charge must be prepared to terminate the experiment at any stage if he has probable cause to believe in the exercise of the good faith superior skill and careful judgment required of him that a continuation of the experiment is likely to result in injury disability or death to the experimental subject End of section 13.